Today's podcast is not brought to you by anybody at all because we are not airing our own podcast this week. So you get no advertisers this week, but that's okay because you're going to enjoy it anyway, won't you? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jumbled, your favorite podcast about nothing. I'm Johnny, and we are without Zach. But don't worry, you're not going to have to listen to me ramble on for about 59 minutes. We are going to showcase a really exciting podcast created by my personal friend and a great friend of the show, Greg. Greg took his experience that he got being on Jumbled and said, you know what? Fuck those guys. I can do it better and teamed up with our friend Anthony and created the great podcast, Knickknack Nerd. Knickknack uh, Nerd is a podcast that's going to explore new technologies, hobbies, do-it-yourself projects, and questions about life and science. And we're going to play their first episode, which will give you a bit of an understanding of uh, who Greg and anthony are as podcasters and as people it's a pretty great episode definitely made me chuckle uh, i personally recommend episode two where they dive down into the nitty gritties of building a computer and honestly answering questions about what do all of those parts do do i really need them how do they all work together so we're gonna play episode one give it a listen make sure you uh you follow them on all social media platforms they do have a pretty killer website uh nick here we go podcasting is my not profession um and you can also find them on itunes and i believe stitcher and spotify could be wrong but hey if not i'm making promises on their behalf and there ain't nothing they can do about it but please go give them a listen let them know to keep going it's a great podcast and you know what who knows down the line maybe we'll have a jumbled knickknack nerd collaboration here we go hey everyone welcome to knickknack nerd i'm greg burlett and i'm here with my friend anthony keelan and today we are talking about robots robots about robots so we were both in uh disneyland uh last week was it last week already last week time yeah. flies by now that i'm getting older <laughs> um and it was so we saw uh the new star wars exhibit what was it called galaxy's uh, edge galaxy's edge in disneyland mm-hmm and uh, was by far one of the coolest things I've seen at Disney. Um, there's a lot of stuff at Disney that is, uh, I guess, not my cup of tea, <laughs> would you say? I would uh, say that, yeah. Kelly took me on... Uh, Kelly's my wife. Kelly took me on... Um, uh, what is that toad? Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. It wasn't that wild. And it was kind of boring. But the Star Wars was not anything like that. It was not. Not at all. It, it completely blew my mind. Um, was it supposed to be on Endor? No, it's on a plant called Batu. Batu? Uh, Batu. In the Outer yes. Rim. The Outer Rim. The Outer Rim. As opposed to the Inner Rim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that goes without saying. Yeah. So, um, okay, was it supposed to be an Imperial fortress or outpost on 
on uh, that planet, and okay. then the rebels were there. Or it's kind of like, like a scruffy, like Tatooine-ish kind of place. It was tat- no Tatooine's like a ish. sand planet. Oh, ish. Okay. Like you know, there's like a bunch of markets, and people just go there, and there's lots of smugglers and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I did notice that um, they had that that little animal that's on uh, Jabba's shoulder. Yeah, salacious crumb. What? Salacious crumb, Greg. How do you know the this? The Kowakian monkey lizard? <laughs> That's incredible. How do you know that? How do you not? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I've never read. Is that like... They don't say that in the movies at all. They right? do not, no. No, they don't say that at all. Um, just seeing the Millennium Falcon life-size, seeing an X-Wing life-size. Oh, the Millennium Falcon, incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was really, really cool. Uh, to see all that. I didn't get to go on the main ride, which I'm still a little salty about. Well, it just opened that weekend, right? It, so. it had just opened that weekend. Um, yeah, I guess some backstory. We're we're Canadians, uh, just a couple of Canucks, and we just serendipitously were uh, down in LA at the same time uh, checking out Disney, which yeah. was pretty cool. Completely unplanned. Completely <laughs> unplanned. We just happened to be there at the same time. Uh, so that was very cool. Um, talking about robots, though, um, there's a couple rides at Disney that I absolutely loved when I was a kid. Um, Splash Mountain was one of them, and it has tons of animatronics on it. You know what? The animatronics, they don't hold up, but I still love that ride. Yeah, it's it's got this really, um, well, I guess for me, it's got this old school, nostalgic kind of vibe to it, uh, which, I, which I really adore. Um, but it's actually really creepy. It is. It, it's super creepy. I remember one time we were we were on it a couple years ago. Um, my wife and I are pretty big Disney fans, so we get down there pretty often. That's an understatement. <laughs> um, so um, we were actually on there, and the ride broke down. And man, was it way creepier when they weren't moving. You so you got stuck on there. We got stuck on there. Oh damn, that's uh yeah. So parts of that ride near the end, you get into this. Um, so first of all, it's creepy. Um, because there's that, like, right at the end, that rabbit that is being tied up and, like, spit-roasted spit is the he's wrong word. He's not spit-roasted. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's tied up, like, over a fire or something, and he's screaming for his life, which is really creepy. Um, you know what would make it more creepy? I have no if idea. It, if, <laughs> if it was all Uncanny Valley. Like, if they up the animatronics to a point where... Where they were just not quite good enough. Not just, but <laughs> right at that point. Right at that point where they're not quite good enough. Um, I guess if people haven't heard what Uncanny Valley is, do you, do you want to explain that? Sure. I guess like, Uncanny Valley is where things, they look they look photo real, I guess. But when you, something just looks a little bit off and you can't quite tell what it is, but you know it's not right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great explanation. And it's not only that... It's not right. It makes you feel really uneasy. Yeah, it's unsettling. It's very unsettling. Um, so think about like uh, a, a robot that acts really realistically, makes intelligent decisions. So think of like um, iRobot, like that Will Smith movie. Yeah. And uh, those robots don't really have that uncanny valley effect, even though they're so intelligent and, and cognizant and, and have a conscience and stuff like that because they're not skinned. They're not skinned. They don't really look like people, aside from the fact that they walk on two legs and have two arms. Mm-hmm. 
No, and like, they and they see through speak robots. English and, yeah. and, and and stuff like that. But they don't give me an uncanny. Right. Not effect. all robots have to speak English. That's true. C three PO speaks how many languages? This I've, is your trivia. Six point some billion. There's that many languages in the galaxy. I suppose. That's great. Why C three PO would know. <laughs> also, in the last movie, C three PO had sass. Man, he killed it. He had sass. And usually, it's R two that has the sass. So I, I really enjoyed that. Um, so do do you know the name of of um, that robot? It's a it's a female robot, and it's uh, skinned. Uh, I can't remember her name. And they brought her on a talk show, uh-huh. and she said, "I I'm going to like I'm going to kill everyone." I have um, no in the I... middle of the talk show. Um, it's like a famous research robot. Yeah, I I'm, it's not ringing any bells here. Oh, okay. Uh, that just came to my mind talking about Uncanny Valley, but it became even more uncanny because uh, she talked about you know killing everyone on on, on Earth. Um, so I guess people's uh, sentiments towards robots looking exactly like us is very much like a Battlestar Galactica effect. Oh yeah, and we're both very much Battlestar Galactica fans. I love it. Um, you want to give people like a rundown of the plot? Because uh, I'm sure that not everyone knows what Battlestar Galactica is. Probably not. They just know it's nerdy. <laughs> uh, I guess, uh, you know, in summary, Battlestar Galactica is about these, like, people. They're not from Earth, but they're still humans. And there was a war against their robot slaves. Um, and that was a long time ago. And then the robot slaves come back. And uh, now they look like human. They're made of flesh. And no one can tell if the the robot the robot slaves are called Cylons, and no one can tell if they're humans or not. Um, and it's basically a show about deception and sci-fi. Yeah, and and like uh, like the tragedy of of the human race, kind of right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like they talk about the futility. Um, the futility. That's that's yeah. That's I wasn't looking for the word tragedy. I was looking for <laughs> futility. Um, yeah, that that's totally true. Um, and I guess, so yeah, they have uh, Cylons that used to look like bucket heads. Like they were all just regular, like, like, like tin man robots, tin man robots, like exactly what like you would old think. old BBC robots made from garbage cans. Yes, totally. With, uh, you know, giant guns for hands. Yes. Yep. Exactly like that. Um, and then they, they evolved to look exactly like humans and they were indistinguishable. Um, so there's this character in the show. That's a, a squirrely little man. The best character in the show, He's in my mind. <laughs> uh, Kelly hated. Actually, uh, Kelly hated. Um, uh, Kara, no, yeah, it was yeah. Kara Thrace. She yeah, she really yeah. didn't like. Kara my Thrace. wife also hates yeah. Kara Thrace. She I don't know like why Kara either. Um, so, Guy's Baltar is a, a scientist. Um, perhaps the best scientist. Perhaps the best scientist, but he often puts on. Would you say he puts on a black hat? Like a white hat, black hat. Like he wears both, I think. I would say he is self-serving. He's extremely self-serving. That's pretty much all he cares about is himself. Yeah. So I, I guess I he wears be whatever hat is convenient at, the, at time. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the show, he there's no way to distinguish between um, Cylons and humans, and uh, Cylons are in fact like walking around the ship. Um, on the battle stars and and no one is able to differentiate between them and their trusted crew are in fact robots mm-hmm. right uh so gaius uh says that he's developed a test 
um, to figure out who's a Cylon and who's a human. And he didn't actually have any such test. Right? He had no clue. Yeah, he had, he had no idea. Um, he was just kind of rattling test tubes and uh, making people think that he was doing things. Um, but I, I don't think he actually ever had a solution. Um, but then going back to humans and, and us, differentiating between robots, um, we, we have a guy in our history called Alan Turing, fantastic computing scientist. Um, they Actually, it wasn't recently. When did they make that movie about him? Uh, probably four or five years ago now. I'd have to look it up. Yeah. It, it, was it called just Turing? What no, was it was it? called... Man, I don't know what it was called. All right, let's take a short break and look up the name of that movie, and we'll be right back. Amazon is a website that will ship you anything you need in life. Literally anything. You can even buy uranium ore and start your own nuclear reactor today. Sign up for an Amazon Prime subscription and get two-day free shipping, access to Prime Video and music streaming services, and 20% off diapers delivered right to your door. You don't even need to take off your pajamas. Sign up for Prime using the link bit.ly forward slash Amazon Knickknack Nerd, which also supports this podcast. And now, back to the show. The movie Imitation Game. Imitation Game. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so it kind of recounts his adventures at Bletchley Park, Cracking Enigma, uh, which was a a famous World War II, I think, Polish cipher. German. Was it? It was the German code machine. It was a German code machine. And I th- okay, the one that they got their hands on, I think, was Polish. Because uh, they had a physical Enigma machine at Bletchley Park. Yes, they, they somehow I... obtained the physical machine and they were able to run tests against it. Yeah, yeah. So he had this you know massive computer that was basically doing brute force, um, uh, basically like cracking ciphertext. Yeah. Um, and the computer, it, it was like a big mechanical beast yeah with a whole bunch of spinny things in it yeah yeah uh so background i am a computing scientist i am not (laughs) (laughs) so anto's a uh an engineer and i'm a computing scientist and a data scientist um so it really pains me at the heart of my being to say spinny thing when i'm talking about a computer well that just shows how uneducated you are (laughs) exactly exactly um so the reason we're talking about alan turing is um, back in the day, he created um, a test to differentiate between uh, a human and a robot. And he did not call it the Turing test. Actually, the paper name, I looked up the paper name um, because I thought it was called either the imitation game or Alan Turing's a bomb or something like that. But it's in fact like some ridiculously long, uh, very boring scientific title that's published in, in, in a journal article. As academics like to do. As academics like to do, right? Anyone that's um, read a paper knows that the titles are atrociously long. Yeah. Um, so kind of a missed opportunity that, you know, he didn't foresee this movie being made about him and name it The Imitation Game because it's very cool. <laughs> um, and in that paper, so we had to read that paper um, when I was doing my undergraduate degree. And uh, in that paper, he has a lot of really cool ideas about um, basically artificial intelligence um, how to properly train uh, machines uh, to 
react to the environment like like humans do. Um, he kind of described machines and and robots as treating them like a child, um, and uh, if they make mistakes, um, tell them, "Hey, you made a mistake, and why did you make that mistake?" So that he can correct it. Yeah, it's incredible. He was thinking about all of that stuff at basically like the infancy of computing. It totally, it, it blows my mind. Actually, it, just in general, in computing science, it blows my mind that there were people doing neural networks in the '60s. Um, so right now, neural networks are you know everyone's like deep learning is is the rage yeah it's the rage everything is deep neural networks recurrent neural networks everything like that and uh they've been around since the 60s uh i think uh, last name is rosenblatt i believe we're gonna we're gonna do some fact checking after that um (laughs) if we make that stuff will be in the show notes that's right in the show notes uh you can email us at hello at knickknacknerd.com and tell us uh you know, all the points that we messed up. And how wrong we are. And then how wrong we are. I think it was Rosenblatt. And I think it was 1966. Um, but I, I, I can't recall exactly. Um, so he was playing around with, with uh, single neuron neural networks back in the 60s. Um, and then it kind of fell out of style. Like we didn't have the computing power to actually train artificial intelligence systems. Uh, we didn't have the, the size and the breadth of networks. We didn't have... Um, you know, we were still using punch cards back in like the seventies and stuff like yeah, that. Like right? the computers to do, um, what your phone could do now would take up multiple, multiple rooms. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like some of the IBM research computers back in the day. There's uh, there was a picture on Reddit that I saw of them wheeling a single module, like a part of it, out of a giant truck into IBM's uh, facilities. It's pretty nuts to think about. And our phone would blow that out of the water. Um, if you've seen the movie Hidden Figures... Uh, I actually haven't seen they, that. So part of that movie is them um, you know, bringing in computers to start you know, t- taking over, working out those calculations. Um, and one of the main characters in the movie uh, takes it upon herself to learn how to program the computers. Hmm. And... Uh, yeah, like you can just see the enormity of the machines and how complex they were to learn. There was like a book probably as thick as like from the floor to the top of your desk. Hmm. That's, and was it still punch cards back then? Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, I remember, um, I think it was my uncle or, it was either my uncle or a prophet U of A, I can't quite remember, was uh, telling us about assignments that they would have to write in, when they were doing schooling and they would have to program their punch cards and then physically walk over to a separate building that contained a giant computer in it, feed the punch cards, get the output, and then hand it in uh, to be graded. And the person that was telling me this story said, and don't drop your punch cards because if you get them out of order, you're screwed, which was just crazy. I couldn't believe that. Um, and just like when we were growing up, we didn't have... Any, any sort of like personal computers nothing like that and it's just crazy how many things have changed just in a very short period of time yeah i think uh we kind of got in at the very start of when things really started to get good with computers yeah that's actually really exciting it's very exciting like we we spent many of days uh like doing land parties in diablo was original diablo or diablo, diablo 2, 2 was, was probably the favorite yeah that was probably the favorite 
and I, I remember just setting up like a LAN and and playing between two computers was mind-blowing it's like this is the future <laughs> this is crazy uh and now it's it's like nothing yeah everyone does it yeah super easy to set up now yeah and i remember even playing with uh like warcraft 3 uh came out a really long time ago um and now warcraft 3 Re- reforged is coming out which is pretty exciting um but i remember just the ability to be able to host a custom game yeah you had to go into your router and you had to open up uh udp ports and uh i think even tcp ports yeah, had, stuff you, like that yeah, you had to expose both the udp and tcp ports to be even able to connect yeah to other players yeah and and now everything is so seamless so plug and play it's so yeah you just uh like we take so many things for granted right now that we can play online games oh, and be on Discord and be on all these different services at the same time. Um, except for our friend Matt, who lives out in <laughs> the rural areas and has crap internet. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor guy. Um, anyways, we're talking about um, Alan Turing and the robots. Um, so his his um, way of thinking about training um, was t- treat the uh the robot like an infant let it make mistakes and when it does make mistakes tell it what it should do better and when it does the right thing give it a reward um so it's almost like reinforcement learning like it very much mimics how humans or dogs uh, or or dog yeah yeah how how you know basically any mammal reacts to stimuli in our world like we we make decisions uh, which is called a policy. Like we we look at all of the all of the uh, arms. Uh, they're called banded arms in in uh, machine learning, reinforcement learning. We look at all the different arms in our environment that we can pull, and we look at the rewards from them. And then we get a we get a reward, and we say, you know, could we have done better? Could we have done worse? Um, and that really mimics um, when we get a reward as humans. It's a dopamine hit in our brain. We just get a surge of dopamine. And we're like, hell yeah, I want, I want to do that again. Um, which is probably why uh, cocaine and what are the other drugs that just flood your brain with dopamine? Any opiate, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, anything like that. Um, that's why people get so addicted to um, hard drugs like that is because it just blows your brain with, uh, with dopamine, uh, which is our, our reward center in our brain. So, of course, as humans, we're like, yeah, let's do that again. Yeah, more rewards, please. More, give me more rewards, uh, and more frequent rewards. Um, so that was a really innovative way of thinking about um, how to train machines and robots to be more like humans. Um, give them, give them feedback, and uh, give them dopamine, uh, digital dopamine, right? And then he continued on uh, in that same paper, um, and then started talking about uh, what we now call the Turing test. Um, so the Turing test is when, um, you have, let's say that you and a machine or a person, what's the purpose of the Turing test? Uh, that's a good point. So I guess the purpose of the Turing test is to tell whether the computer can, you know, be mistaken for a human, I guess, in Mm -hmm. the most general of terms. Yeah. So I, I guess like the, the guys Baltar Cylon test. Yeah, exa- essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly it. Um, so imagine that that you're separated from another entity. So at that time, you don't know if it's a, a computer or a robot or a person. 
and you're separated by a screen, you can't see them, and you ask a whole bunch of questions, mm -hmm. and they return with responses, and it's your job to figure out if the entity is human or not, right? Um, so a lot of people kind of equate this problem to a chatbot, right? Like if I'm engaging with the chatbot, if I go online and I Google search chatbot, right? Uh, I'm going to have, you know, a plethora of different chatbots that I can interact with. <laughs> they all suck. They're not really that great. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of similar to the, the Blade Runner, Runner avoid camp test, where they're just asking the guy questions and he's supposed to respond. And then they use the answers to those questions to determine whether he's a replicant, which is like the same oh, as a yeah, Cylon or a right. robot. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I guess, um, like, the Turing test is kind of permeated across a lot of different um, sci-fi and, and stuff like that, right? Yeah, very popular in sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, but in the imitation game, did they even go into the Turing test at all? I don't think so. No, it more was around, like, the kind of the, the war and breaking the code and the excitement around that and his breakthroughs with the building the computer and his frustrations and failures and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so kind of, uh, an icon, uh, in the computing science, uh, in the history of computing science and, and people that, that really contributed to, um, I guess, cryptography, um, artificial intelligence, um, among many, many other things. I, I haven't read all of his papers, um, <laughs> but very interesting guy. Um, I guess now let's talk about, uh, some robots that are doing really cool things. Um, so I guess like uh, stuff that's going on at like Boston Dynamics. Oh yeah, the bee robots. What do you mean the bee robots? Well, they sound like bees. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, they do. And uh, they, have you seen the one that did uh, gymnastics? Was that, yeah, was that Boston Dynamics? Their robots are incredible. Uh, I like Big Dog is probably my favorite one. The one you like can't kick over. Mm -hmm kind of seems like animal abuse though doesn't it, it? does like, whenever they kick the I dog on ice guilty inside <laughs> um there's there's one where um i don't think it's the dog one but it is it is on four legs and it kind of does look like a dog but it has an extendable neck yeah and it opens up the door and while it's opening up the door the researcher is <laughs> pulling on his his tail and trying to kick him over as the poor guy's trying to open <laughs> up the door it's just rude it is. Yeah. Um, but they have some incredible... Uh, and, and when they made the... What was the name of the dog? Big Dog. It was a Big Dog. Big Dog. Um, big Dog came out like quite a long time a long ago. long time ago. Right? Um, yeah, they've made several like much cooler robots since then, but I still love Big Dog. Yeah. They have a, a parkour robot that kind of jumps around. It can jump from one leg to the other leg, going up obstacles, um, can do two-legged jumps. It's incredible. It's actually incredible. Um, and I don't know, like, I, I did not think that technology in terms of robotics and reinforcement learning was at the point when Big Dog came out, which must have been like 10 years ago. I think it was Even longer. longer. I think it was longer than that. Just like the dexterity that that robot had when it came out was yeah. like mind blowing. You're used to seeing, like, you know, the C3PO like robots. Where yes. You, like, you can imagine just pushing that thing over and his face planting, right? Like, it's, so I've seen C three PO disassembled many times, 
But has anyone ever kicked C-3PO over, like in one of the movies? I don't, I, I don't think, so. think so. I've never seen that. He seems pretty stable. I mean, aside from being ripped apart by Ugnaughts or whatever. <laughs> yep. Um, even when he's walking in Tatooine in the sand, he never, he never falls over. It's incredible. Never falls over. A little no. stiff, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has those, um, those braces in yeah. his arms that you know just makes him look like a robot, right? Mm-hmm. And the sand gets everywhere this i i bet the sand <laughs> does get everywhere but it as it does for humans too right indeed um so now um do you actually wait do you do you know um has anyone purchased boston dynamics like do you know who they're owned by or are they still a an independent research firm i think Someone they're still independent maybe maybe they've been purchased yeah not sure and so a lot of um a lot of the general population looks at those kind of toy robots like big dog looks at the one that's opening up doors well big dog was uh created um as like a darpa project for oh, was military it use okay like, so it's for military use. unfortunately it was like really loud <laughs> i'm i am sneaking behind you um so yeah a lot of the general population looks at at I guess a lot of things in robotics and artificial intelligence, like a lot of the stuff that um, Google DeepMind is working on, where they're they're working on on interesting applications of of artificial intelligence, um, but on very constrained projects. Like they're working on games specifically, like Go. They're working on um, yeah games with like a strict rule set. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Texas Hold'em Poker but very constrained betting patterns. Um, a, a lot of stuff like that. Um, even like a StarCraft II bot. Yeah. Like a AI bot. Star, though that's much more complicated than... Much more complicated. Go or... I, well, Go, Go is pretty complicated. Go is pretty complicated. Um, but a lot of people look at those um, those toy problems and start thinking about, you know, like, why are we doing this? Like, if you look at the deficit of, of Google DeepMind... It would blow your mind how much money they are blowing <laughs> with with seemingly no returns to society other than we have a bot that can beat the world leader of Go and everyone goes, fantastic. Yay. It only costs you $600 million to do so. Um, thank you. Now what are you going to do? Um, and... Um, Google DeepMind has done uh, some things that are worthwhile. I mean, for the Alphabet company, um, using uh, reinforcement learning to do automatic server cooling, um, stuff like that. Um, so basically, like economizing uh, their servers, platforms, and stuff like that. Um, but apart from that, a lot of people look at you know robots that are made by um, Boston Dynamics. Like, how does that help society? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that? I think there's no no immediate like present, you know, this is helping us in this way, but it's helping us, you know, develop that technology um and, you know, people will try new things and they'll find different ways where it can help us um just like, you know, doing little things with that artificial intelligence and machine learning like, you know, just optimizing little decisions will probably go a long way mm -hmm. and do you view um 
for example, uh, a Boston Dynamics robot or, or like a dog that would be a companion. And I don't mean a companion is in like a lover or something like that. I mean a companion is so in like... Be. It, it could be. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, someone that would kind of be like at your side all the time that you could command, uh, give you a hand opening up cupboards. Let's say you had a disability or something like that. Um, like, do you think that that's going to be commonplace? Uh, it in could like be twenty five like, year horizon. Uh, in place of a service dog, yeah. perhaps for people with disabilities, it could carry things for you. Mm-hmm. It could guide you. Yeah. Um, it could do all sorts of things. It could help you open cupboards, help you up the stairs. Yeah. Warn you when someone's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and all without the downsides. Um, I come with a regular dog. There's lots of upsides having a dog, but true. You know, they, you, you don't have, have to, to clean feed up them. Boot. You have to clean up after them. You do have to do mild maintenance, though, for a robot, right? You, you do. Work. You do. You need some oil, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But pretty minor. They don't bark and wake up your baby. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, I, I think that that's probably going to become commonplace. I don't know if in 25 years. Um, the thing is that they're really expensive. Like, they would really need to drive down the price um for it to be even feasible for a you know a normal person oh yeah part of part of the expense right is uh like one the processing power which is getting cheaper all the time Mm -hmm. um and also like making really small motors that can do like put out high amounts of torque Mm -hmm. as well as batteries batteries are this huge problem in mobile electronics right um like actually moving things takes a lot of juice Mm-hmm. So the smaller, like higher capacity battery you can make, the better. Well, I think uh, aren't aren't we collectively uh, on Earth running out of uh, a specific type of uh, precious metal or natural resource that's used in traditional batteries? Is that true? I would say I used in uh, like microelectronics in general. In microelectronics, okay. Um, can that be salvaged if you recycle, uh, like electronic boards properly? It it can be, but it's really difficult to separate all the metals mm. because like, you know, you have your integrated circuits, right? Like, right. That's which the, are gold and a whole bunch of different, all things. sorts of different things. When you, when you get into, uh, you know, your, your different logic gates and stuff like that. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, it can be really hard to, hard to separate those things because they're literally, like almost like painted on mm-hmm. there it's so small that's right um so talking about um uh having a companion so for example like a big dog that replaces a dog um what are your thoughts on robots replacing workers so let's talk about um kind of menial tasks like a like a, a warehouse person that just uh categorizes objects puts them puts them in certain places retrieves them ships them stuff like that so we're talking about robots doing physical tasks or you know just some um essentially like an automated script that it is a robot that can do i'm I'm saying electronic tasks uh my question is physical physical so like like a uh like a warehouse robot something like that sure which which is a physical task but it also requires a lot of a lot of mental like you need to be able to do foreground background detection you need to have proprioception like you need to know 
where your limbs are so then you need computer vision like there's actually a lot of things that go into you need um, to not run into other things you need to be able to navigate around the warehouse mm -hmm. uh be able to recharge yourself that that sort of stuff so it's actually a really complicated task oh definitely um for something as us as humans we we're like you just take for granted you, yeah you know you eat breakfast in the morning you go to work you do the things yeah you just kind of almost implicitly know how to do everything yeah for the most part i was going to say you just described life but then you said you implicitly know how to do everything and i'm like that okay that's not life <laughs> When I say everything, I mean like, you know, I put my arm in front of me and I see my arm and I see that there is or isn't something in my hand. Yeah. And like... You, Hypothetically, you just, you'd be able to feel it You too. just do that... Autom exactly. You just do that yeah. automatic... I don't know that robots have a sense of touch, but... Yeah, I don't... Well, there there are um, force sensors. There I think are. they're called like FSRs or something like that, uh, where it can um, not provide like tactile feedback for the robot, but... Can figure out if it's uh there's pressure exerted on For certain sure. parts of it yeah hey why don't we take a quick break and then we'll get back to robots working in factories humble bundle is a video game subscription service that selects a bunch of fun games each month and you choose which games you want to keep forever with the subscription you also get a 20 percent discount off of thousands of games on the humble store I often find myself browsing Steam not knowing what I want to play, when that time could be better spent trying a handful of good hand-picked games. Sign up for a humble choice basic or premium subscription using the link bit.ly forward slash humble nerd. Your subscription not only gets you a handful of great video games, but also supports this podcast. Now back to the show. What question are you asking about these fact or warehouse robots? Now my question is, uh, what are your thoughts on them replacing humans? Um, and uh, you know, what does that look like, I guess, for society? And what does that look like for companies? I think uh, my thoughts are kind of two-sided, right? So um, everyone kind of knows that in certain warehouses, employees are maybe not treated so well. Um, and, you know, they're, they're always every day being asked to do more and more without better compensation um or bathroom breaks <laughs> um and is that common in factory work like you have scheduled bathroom breaks or or a disallowed uh like a basic human right of you know evacuating yourself i hope not i'm not i like i can't speak for lots of places but you hear about these, these horror stories mm -hmm. about this happening right so um whereas with robots they don't need to go to the bathroom mm-hmm they can only work as fast as they can work and they're not going to lollygag, mm -hmm. right? Like they, at least at this point in time, they're not self-aware. Mm -hmm. They do the tasks they're supposed to do at the speed they can do it at. Mm -hmm. um, so that could be a plus. On the downside, you're displacing workers. So those people that had those jobs now don't have jobs. Um, yeah. So you're impacting them. And because there's no like universal basic income, you know what do those people do are they now homeless what what jobs do they get to do so mm -hmm. there's a downside there on top of the upside um for companies i think it's a big win uh you can work them 24 hours a day and probably have less robots than you would people because you're working 24 hours if you weren't already running three shifts right mm -hmm. so big benefit there um for society as a whole 
I think you would need to work out something like universal basic income beforehand or, you know, you're, you're looking for trouble. Yeah. Well, I guess you would have a lot of displaced workers, right? You would. And what are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, crime rates are going to go up probably if they can't find work. Mm -hmm. Um, homelessness will go up. Um, and in lots of countries around the world, it's not safe to be outside in all seasons. Like they'll either freeze to death or cook to death. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so you can run into lots of problems there. And at the same time, um, if you employ, uh, a network of robots to perform, you know, tasks in your company, right? You need people to service the robots, right? What so you if need you have robots mill, right? to service the robots? Who services the robots that service the robots? The robots that service robots. Who services the robots that service well, the robots? Well, all you need is two robots that service robots, and they can service each other. <laughs> Don't say service each other. <laughs> robots service each other. Um, Sorry, they can repair they can and repair. maintain each other. Yes. Um so what you've described is a giant pyramid scheme of robots. It's not a pyramid scheme. There doesn't have to be multiple levels. There's the robots that do the task. Yep. And that's the bottom ro- of the pyramid. Sure. And then there's the robots that fix the robots that do the tasks, but those robots also fix them each other. Each other. So okay, there's two so levels. There's, there's two, two levels. There's the task robots mm-hmm. and the repairman robots. I've never thought about the repairman robots repairing the repairman robots that's genius i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you saying anthony um huh that yeah that's really interesting to think about okay so we, we'd have um like lots of displaced workers right um i was thinking that we need repair people to repair the robots but who designs the robots yeah but but i think that that can be you know a small firm Right? Could be that, that's designing all these robots. Like I think the um, the basic tech uh, and the brain um, eventually will become general purpose enough where it can be slotted in many different machines. Sure. Um, right now, all of AI and machine learning is very single purpose, very task specific. Very task can only specific. do one thing. A la hot dog, no hot dog. Hot dog, no hot dog. Uh, you you want to explain <laughs> that that reference for people in case uh, they don't know what you're talking about? Um, just, I'll just say, if you haven't, go watch Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good enough. What, what's his name? Jin Yang? Jing Yang. Jing Yang. That's right. Um, yeah, so with universal basic income, um, I've, I've had, uh, I, I know what it is. It's in the name, universal basic income, right? Um, who, where does the money come from? So, um, like, it's would it be generated by businesses? Would it be generated generated by uh, the population who then pays a government who distributes universal basic income? Like, how do the actual economics of universal basic income actually work? I, that's well, always I, dumbfounded like, me. It dumbfounds me as well. I think that's part of the problem of actually implementing it, it and yeah. making it happen. Like, it's a cool uh, idea, like, but how the how the heck do we do it? Yeah, it's like a very, like, Star Trek idea, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, you know, there's lots of hurdles in the way of making it happen, especially... um, But we need the robots first. We We need people to do the tasks so that we can be um, free to play golf. Yeah, it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. Mm -hmm. But but I think it's something that warrants... um, 
like we we can't start thinking about that once we already have the robots in place. That's too late then. Because it's too late and we're going to have too many displaced people. Um, we're, you need we're to have gonna... a plan in place and kind of implement them at the same time. And I think the difficulty there is not, there isn't just like, you know, one body saying like, hey, we're developing these robots to make everyone's life better. And alongside that, we need universal basic income. It's kind of like everyone everywhere is working on robots to help them with their specific problem. And that, you know, I think eventually will morph into these robots that are able to help with a much broader set of problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it kind of leaves, I guess, the governments and, you know, philanthropists of the world to figure out the solution to the universal basic income problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, I've I've thought about it a couple times, and I just don't see how the money is generated. Where, Where does it actually come from? You know what? It could come from taxing the robots. Yeah. Okay. So, so this would be uh, the corporations fronting the money for for UBI. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Um, so then it comes to the question of: uh, <laughs> Can we tax non-human beings? I don't see why not. So uh, to tax something, they need to be making an income. Correct. Okay. So, um, or, well, you could tax the corporation based on the number of robots they. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Instead of, uh, yeah, giving a salary to a robot, and then it becomes a question of, if a robot has too much disposable income, what kind of shenanigans are the robots going to get into? Exactly. So then Mm -hmm. the robots don't have any. Obviously, if you get to the point where the robots are actually artificially intelligent and self-aware. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. This, like the corporation taxing thing is mostly um, if the robots are, you know, automatons, basically. Right. Yeah. So like a, like a warehouse robot that does a warehouse very robot. Task. No brain. He just does, yeah. you know, exactly what he's programmed to do. He doesn't make any decisions outside of, I was told to put this here. Oh, it's full. I'll put it in the next best spot. Mm-hmm. So um, I just thought about this. Um, so... To an extent, we already have this issue in society today. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, look at McDonald's. They have one person working the till. Mm-hmm. And they have four to six uh, robotic yeah, people taking... Not robotic people. Robots, like touchscreens, that take your order and place it. And then the people in the back you know, make your food and, and give it to you. Those machines are replacing what used to be workers. Exactly. Yeah, it was actually at a McDonald's um, not that long ago where they had no one working the till. Nobody. They were just relying on those machines, and then the people in the back were doing whatever people at McDonald's do. I don't <laughs> even know. Whatever people in the I've never worked in fast food. I don't know what you even do in the back there. All I know is that my burger comes out, and I eat it. It's like that Will Ferrell movie where he's like, Mom! I never know what she's doing back there. <laughs> Get me a sandwich. Get me a sandwich. Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> um, yeah, but, well, they obviously make food back there. You can't really see back there. Um, yeah, so that yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so setting up a, a tax for corporations for um, to offset them displacing humans that would have been doing the job otherwise. Exactly, To yeah. front money for a UBI that's then distributed probably a tax to the government and then the government distributes the ubi 
Yeah, which has its own set of problems. What are what are the problems? It sounds perfect to me. Governments. <laughs> Period. Uh, historically inefficient. Yeah. Um, and bureaucratic. So the people that need, you know, the people that need that basic income may not be correctly identified in getting it. Um, you know, people play all sorts of games to try to increase their personal benefit from from taxes and grants and all you know welfare Mm -hmm. right like essentially like look at uh, the state of welfare in a lot of countries there's a lot of people that take advantage of it uh, and a lot of people that need it that they can't get everything they need Mm -hmm. oh yeah that's a that's kind of a a detriment to like a, a mixed economical system where you have some sort of financial compensation from governments um, a lot of people do abuse uh, stuff that's not not entirely intended for how they're using it, like employment insurance. Um, a lot of people, you know, milk that um, because it's free money from the government, and I, I'll put that in quotes. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Like, uh, what are the ramifications, the social ramifications of implementing UBI? Um, but I, I think that that's a really good idea. You know, throwing the throwing the tax on corporations. Um, I myself, as a business owner, uh, don't like that idea having <laughs> having another tax because well, I run a machine learning company and we uh, we employ robots all day to do training and stuff like that. But we were talking about physical robots. Yes. Well, yeah. So uh, robots are performing physical tasks. Yes. Um, there's also a whole uh, another set of bots. They're called that are just you know on on the internet. Yeah. The big like, I guess industry term right now. Uh, that I've heard a lot is robotic process automation is the term they're calling for essentially scripts that do things that people do right now. Oh, okay. Um, like uh, that that would be doing a non-physical labor, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you've, uh, yeah, essentially, um, if you know the, the web service Zapier, I think that's yep. how you say it. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you know, different consulting companies Deloitte, Gartner will, you know, management consulting companies will help, you know, corporations set up stuff like similar to that for their own internal use. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like you could technically consider those robots to an extent, I guess. Yeah, no, I I think I think that you totally can. Um, And and software bots, I I would say that they don't have a a physical manifestation. No, they're. They're like the spirit, the spirit of a bot. They really are. And one one robot could handle the same workload as hundreds of people in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and have slightly more brain cells, probably. I don't know if you've ever interacted with a chatbot, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Chatbots are still notoriously bad. Or, or what are they calling them now? Virtual assistants. Virtual assistants. That's right. Um, wasn't Facebook working on... Uh, on a bot that would actually do like a mechanical Turk thing in the background. Like you would, you would write in a question or say, Hey, order me some flowers and send it here. They would send it to, it was like a Facebook assistant or something like that. And they would actually have a human interpreting that and making it seem like it was a robot and just responding to outrageous things. And I don't know what they did with that project or what the purpose of that project was, it kind of sounds like a project to fool everyone into thinking they're way farther ahead than they are. Yeah. 
or they were using it for training data. They could be, yeah. To be like, well, here's how a human would respond. Exactly. Well, you could use it for that. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like I don't know what their uh, their end game was for that, but uh, certainly an interesting use of, I guess, fake botage. <laughs> fake botage. Fake botage. What about uh, some of those crazy Twitter bots? Yeah, yeah, those are really interesting. Like they actually make, uh, so they use I think they use recurrent neural networks and they produce character by character new tweets and just pump them out into Twitterland. Yeah, uh, well, there was that one a couple of years ago that just started like blasting out um, some Nazi stuff. Oh yeah, um, because it had just so many, you know, so many of those people had been tweeting at it and just feeding it this propaganda essentially, mm-hmm. and and training it that like that's how people respond to everything all the time. <laughs> I believe that was uh, 4chan. <laughs> That sounds like something sounds people. like something they would do yeah uh so that's a, that's very much a danger of um letting machine nefarious, learning yeah. yeah machine learning in general yeah yeah if you give it uh an unrepresentative data source uh it will learn that and it will perhaps not be what you're looking for um i think that that's definitely something to look out for in the future in terms of um red flags yeah um and also something, hmm, I don't know. Like, there, there's a lot of issues in uh, just kind of letting free learning bots loose into society and just hoping that they learn the right thing. I guess that's kind of like humans, isn't it? Kind of. I gotta. <laughs> I have to ask you a question. Do you um, thank Alexa when you ask her for stuff? Uh, no, I mostly swear at her. You mostly swear at her? See, my wife swears by thanking and being polite to Alexa. Mm-hmm. Because she does not want to be the first one to go <laughs> in the robot uprising. That's actually hilarious. Um, and that opens up a whole other Pandora's box about um, about Alexa and having uh, Google Home Assistants and stuff like that. Uh, letting those uh, surveillance devices into our, into our just, homes. Just listening to you just listening all the time. To you. And the counter argument is, you know, we're not doing anything funky. Like, who, who cares? But they're listening to everything that we're saying. Um, so it's a, a very interesting topic. And we'll, we'll probably explore that. Um, I think we're going to do a, uh, an episode on like data privacy. I think we definitely should. We, we definitely should. Because I think that that warrants a whole other conversation. Uh, but in terms of robots, is there anything that, that you want to add? Or anything else on your list? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think so. Um, maybe the, the last thing um, on my list is... Uh, like making a robot now is getting easier and easier. I don't know if you you've heard about uh, Ross or Robot OS. No, not at all. Um, so it's not an actual OS. It runs on top of Linux, um, but it has like all these different modules and plugins you can add to like just make your robot. You know, we run it on a Raspberry Pi with an Arduino, and you can like essentially hook it up to some motors or sensors or whatever and build your own robot at home. That's that's really cool. Do you know the so uh, is it? It's purely software, and you would it, need it's to. It's software, can, yeah, okay. and open source. Okay, so it's not like a like a kit that you can go buy somewhere that would have like some some motors. And, you know what? And I'm stuff like I'm that. sure there are kits that you can buy that have everything you need to make uh, a certain robot. That stuff is all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, maybe we'll uh, we'll put a post to, uh, was it Ross OS? Ross, yeah. Yeah, we'll put a, a link to that uh, on our website. It's uh, knickknacknerd.com. Uh, you can reach us at hello at knickknacknerd.com. Uh, I'm Greg Burlett. I'm Anthony Keeling. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and all those other social media platforms. Uh, you can also uh, support us at patreon.com slash knickknacknerd. Uh, you can donate as little as $1 a day to help us out with, uh, you know, all the overhead that comes with putting on a wonderful podcast for you people. Uh, that's it. Have a good time. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, that was our buddies over at Nick Knack Nerd. Again, that's N-I-C-K-N-A-C-K-N-E-R-D. You can find them at nicknacknerd.com or on all social media. Just search for Nick Knack Nerd. Again, N-I-C-K-N-A-C-K-N-E-R-D.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week for another episode of Jumbled, your favorite podcast about uplifting other podcasts.